Thank you, Ben, so much for reading that. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, what a powerful psalm that is David's given to us. And God, there are, there are times, and I know there's people here, Lord, that feel forsaken by you even this morning. And so, Lord, I, my prayer this morning is that you would meet us here, that the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable to you, and that you would speak to us, Lord, because we're listening. That's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. You know what I love about the Psalms, and this one in particular, is, be, is it gives us the permission to pray the way that we naturally pray. You know, we, we want to pray this way. We, we feel this. And yet often we, we temper our own prayers and we sense our own prayers because we think, you know, is God big enough to handle these things? You know, the Psalms give us permission to tell God what we really think about Him. This morning, maybe your life's great, and your prayers this morning, they're full of thanksgiving, and, and things just really couldn't be any better for you. And when you think about God, you go, man, we're, we're like best friends, me and God. But, but there's others of you here this morning, and, and your life right now is difficult, and you're struggling, and you struggle to pray, and you struggle to get the motivation to come here, because when you pray, you feel like your prayers are just these pleas for mercy, and you're not entirely sure that God is your best friend, if he's your friend at all, and if you're honest, you, you think that God is very, very far away. And if you're not there, you're going to be there. We've all been there, or we'll all be there, and that's just how life goes. And if you're not there, you probably know somebody that is there. And you can even think in your mind, I know this person, they're struggling. It's a friend, it's a coworker, it's a neighbor, it's somebody in your family. And if you read Psalm 22 with the feeling that David wrote it with, the way that Ben read it for us, you get this sense that this is probably not, originally it was not a public prayer. David didn't scroll this one down going, this is going to be a, a top 50 hit here in, in Israel. He gives it to the church, or the church gets it after he, he passes, and, and they take this prayer and they bring it into uh, the, the, the church's or the Israel's songbook. But you get the feeling like this is one of those prayers maybe he scribbled down in, in private, the kind of prayer maybe that you've scribbled down in private or prayed in private or just maybe you didn't have the courage to even say it, but you just thought it. But, but David here is crying out to God, a God who feels far away. He feels far away, but there's something in David's mind that he knows. While God might feel far away, he calls to him because he knows that he is close to his people. He knows that. David is full of despair, senses God's absence. And so what does he do? He asks God, why did you leave? Eugene Peterson in the message translates it this way. And Peterson is such a master of the Hebrew. I love the way he does this. He says, God, God, my God, why did you dump me miles from nowhere? Doubled up with pain. I called to God all the day long. No answer, nothing. I kept at it all night, tossing and turning. Have you ever felt that way? Do you feel that way? If so, tell God about it. You know, that's part of the irony of this prayer is, is that David wonders why God is gone and absent, and yet who is it that he directs his prayer to, but to that God who he, in his mind, knows he's there, even though he feels absent. Why does he do that? It's because as he thinks back, he can remember the stories 
He remembers the stories of how God brought Noah and his family safely through the flood. And he thinks about how God called Abraham to himself and made a nation. He thinks about how God called Moses and led the people through. And David can even remember in his own life instances and places where God delivered him. And so David knows that God is capable of it, although he wonders where God is. There's a a sliver of faith inside of, of David. You know, this psalm is what we call a messianic psalm. It's a prophetic psalm. It's a psalm uh, that really describes the crucifixion. If you notice the opening words, it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Same words Jesus prayed on the cross. A lot of scholars think that maybe Jesus prays this prayer on the cross. We don't have all the words he says on the cross. We've got a few sayings in Scripture. But a lot of people think maybe Jesus prayed this. Maybe he didn't pray the whole thing out loud probably didn't have the strength but you know you get the sense that he starts with this and he's praying through this prayer as he goes through that that agonizing pain that he felt during the crucifixion jesus feels forsaken my god my god why have you forsaken me just like david felt abandoned by god and yet david and jesus both what do they do they direct their prayers to god Verse 7 through 8, you see that this doesn't do much for the people that surround him. It says, if the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. We're not going to do it. He's, He's claimed to be somebody special with God. Why won't God deliver him? David feels this way. Jesus feels this way. Perhaps you've felt that way. You've trusted in God, and yet you think, man, what has my faith brought me? What has my trust got me but nowhere? Mocked for trusting in God, yet David and Jesus don't give up hope. Why? Because they both know that God's been faithful to his people in the past, and they know that God can be faithful to them again. They've each experienced how God's carried them to this point. David, he says, I remember that you've carried me since I was a child. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. You set me there to, to nurse upon my mother. God, you've brought me safe this far, and I know that you can take me the rest of the way in safety and in grace. Friends, I wish I could tell you it's going to be different, that once you become a Christ follower, that, that life is easy, but it's not. We're all going to face despairing times. If we're not facing them now, we will face difficult and trying situations. And we're going to meet people with difficult and trying situations. And it's a psalm like this that reminds us even in despair, even when the night is dark, we can still see the cross, and from the cross, we can see God's faithfulness. Our situation, it it looks bad, but we believe we can be victorious, and so we pray. We continue to pray. Can't you hear Jesus praying in verses 14 through 18? He says, my life is poured out like water. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax melting within me. My strength is dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You've laid me in the dust and left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They, they've pierced my hands and feet. I count on my bones. My enemies stare at me and gloat. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. Isn't this the cross? Isn't this Jesus there? Surrounded by enemies at the point of death, weak. And he's crying out to God to come close and to save him. Maybe you're there right now. Craig Barnes, who's now the president of Princeton Theological Seminary, 
It talks about how when he was 16, uh, his father ran away and just disappeared. His father ran away when he was 16, left, his, left him, his brother, and his mother uh, all alone. Throughout his life, Craig uh, tried to get in touch with his dad, and sometimes he'd be able to get you know, an answering machine or get an address, and he'd get in touch with him. And when he got in touch with, with his dad, he would find out like the next day or the next week that his dad had run away again and just disappeared. And this is how it went through his life from the time he was 16 to the time he was an adult. Craig couldn't reach his father, couldn't get a hold of his father. All he could do was pray for his father. Maybe you're in a situation like that where there's somebody you want to get a hold of and you want to reach and you want to help and you want to get in touch with and you want to get their life on track and yet you just can't do that for them. All you can do is pray. Maybe you feel like David, you're surrounded, you're betrayed, you're in over your head and all you can do is pray. Jesus nailed to the cross. He's already surrendered himself to God. All he can do is pray. And I will tell you this, that when all you can do is pray... Your prayer life is going to improve dramatically. You will pray like you've never prayed before when the only thing you can do is to cry out to God for help. Friends, when you can't do anything else but wait on God and His miracle, then you pray and you wait. And I'll tell you, if you know somebody like that, in a place like that, in a situation like that, the best thing you can do for somebody struggling like that is to pray for him. You pray for him and you tell him, you say, listen, I am praying for you. That's it. They don't need a sermon. They don't need a book. They don't need a, a video series. They need prayer and they need the ministry of your presence. Friends, we can reveal Christ among the broken, even in dark and despairing situations and times through prayer. And when you pray in a situation like that where, where you can't do anything and nobody else can do anything and the only person that can do something is God and you pray to God and you say, listen, I'm praying for you. When God comes through, guess who gets the glory and the recognition for that? It's God. God gets the glory. Because let me tell you, whatever you're going through, God really does understand your situation and God can help. God does. Sometimes I think the most comforting truth we can understand when we're going through difficulties is to know that God understands what it's like to suffer. Jesus suffered horrific pain, his, his body broken, his humility was stripped of him along with his clothes, his own flesh was pierced and was torn. Does God understand? Yes, God understands. God even understands the pain of a parent watching their child suffer and die. What pain could be worse than that? God understands the pain of rejection. That after he sent his son Jesus to suffer and die, the people that he sent his son to would reject him and use his name not for blessing, but for cursing. Friends, the cross reminds us that we can find God even in broken and despairing situations. James Smith, in his commentary on the psalm, he writes this. He says, Christ had not been permanently forsaken. The resurrection was the answer to Christ's cross petitions for deliverance. He was not delivered from death, but was triumphant over death. And so if you've come here this morning with heavy baggage and you've brought suffering and pain, God knows what you're going through and can help. Craig and his brother continued to pray for their dad throughout their lives. One day they got a, a phone call from a pastor in Florida. And uh, this pastor who 
did not know their father, did not know them, had somehow intersected into this situation after their father passed. And Craig writes this. He says he died alone in a raggedy trailer park somewhere in the middle of Florida. A neighboring pastor who did not know him spent two days trying to find his family, even though he did not know our names. My dad missed all of the important events in his son's lives, graduations, weddings, birth of children, our two ordinations, and both of our Ph.D. ceremonies. He missed all of it. I prayed and prayed that he would return to us. I used to yearn for the day that he would show up in a congregation where I was preaching. My longing was for him to come through the line at the end of worship, take my hand, and say, Good job, son. But he never came. At his funeral, I stared at his casket and wondered what happened to all those prayers for him. Were they just lying over around on the floor of heaven? When the service was over, my brother and I went to his little trailer in hopes of piecing together something about his life. That was when we received a great Christmas gift. Sitting on his kitchen table was a devotional journal in which he had written his prayers and thoughts about different Bible passages. I was relieved to discover that he did not also abandon his faith. But then I came across a dog-eared tatter page with a little title, Daily Prayer List at the top. The first two items on that list were my brother's name and my name. I will never understand the lonely madness that drove my father away from everyone who loved him, but I am so thankful to know that to his dying day he never forgot us. He talked to God about us, and even though for some reason he could not talk to us, there was enough grace in that to get me through. The grace was not that I received what I wanted. I did not find my father in time. Here was the grace, church. The grace was that Jesus never lost him. And for me, the grace was that I then realized through all of those years of praying for my dad, I was speaking with a heavenly father who will never leave me or forsake me. Friends, David understands that God will never leave us or forsake us, even though he doesn't feel it at this point in time. Jesus is praying to that same God who is not going to leave or forsake us, even though he doesn't feel it at the time. And this morning, if you've come here, you are in the same way praying to a God who's not going to leave you or forsake you, even though it may not feel like it at this time. I've heard from so many of you uh, that as you've gone through difficult situations, you've prayed and you've surrendered, and you get that peace that comes from God. And you'll say to me, so, you know, I, I don't know how this is going to work out. I don't know what God's going to do, but I, I'm at peace with it. It doesn't make sense. That's why Scripture calls it a peace that passes understanding. But there's something that happens when we know that God is with us, and we know that God is working, and we know that God understands us, and we know that God is capable of helping, and we know that God has our best interest at His heart. There is something that can connect with our soul, even though we can't understand it. And so when we come to that place where we've got that peace, we know that our future actually looks bright in the middle of a dark situation. And so we can praise God no matter what because we know how God's going to act. You read through this psalm, it closes with this big collection of praises and calling other people to praise in the middle of a difficult situation. Why? Because the psalmist, even though he doesn't know how it's going to work, And even though he doesn't feel that God is close, there's this thing that he's got, it's called faith, that he knows God is going to come through for him. Now, friends, I've shared this before, that we don't pray the Psalms naturally in our churches. It took me a year of praying through the Psalms before I started to appreciate them. And the thing I've appreciated most about the Psalms is how it shows us there's a cycle and season to everything in life. We're in the middle of Psalm 22 where where Jesus is crucified on a Friday 
And he is dying on the cross, and David is surrounded by his enemies. And you go to the very next psalm, and it begins with what? The Lord is my shepherd. You go from Psalm 22 to Psalm 23 like that. How does that work? What is it that takes somebody from Psalm 22 to Psalm 23? It's God that brings us through. And maybe a cautionary tale is it can go the other way, too. It can go from Psalm 23 to Psalm 22 in an instant just the same. But the psalmist knows this, and he knows that life is this way. But he knows that while he's praying to a God who feels distant, he knows that that God is listening to him, is hearing him, and is going to answer him. And so in verse 22, he begins to praise God at the thought of this deliverance. He knows it's coming, and it's so good. It's like he can taste it already. It might be Friday, and it's dark, and it's difficult. But we know what's coming. Sunday's coming. Sunday's coming when Christ is going to be raised from the dead and when the tomb's going to be empty and when evil is going to be defeated. And so if you're here and it's dark, you can still praise God because we know that Sunday is coming. You know, this psalm, this ancient psalm, was written about a thousand years before Christ. A thousand years before the time of Jesus. And yet it describes the crucifixion in such amazing detail being forsaken, being surrounded, clothes being gambled for. And if you come to the end of the text, you'll see that it describes a celebration that can only, that can only take place in Jesus. In verse 29, we read that all the people are going to bow down before him. In verse 30, we read about the children and future generations who are going to hear about the wonders of the Lord. Verse 31 prophesies that the righteous acts are going to be told to those who have not yet been born. You see, this great celebration can only take place in Jesus. And this psalm is giving us clues. It's, 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 it's tuning us in. It's saying, pay attention. Pay attention to despair. Pay attention to times of suffering. Pay attention to dark situations because God can show up in the midst of those. You know, if we were going to come up with a list of the top ten places we think we might find God... On death row, being executed is not the place we would say, that's where we're going to find God's son. We wouldn't have picked that. The psalmist reminds us, and the cross reminds us, that God can show up anywhere, even in the midst of despair. And when you get a glimpse of that, the praise that you're capable of is amazing, even though your circumstances don't warrant it. Paul picks up on the same theme in in Philippians chapter 2. He talks about how Christ humbled himself and how Christ died on the cross and how Christ was obedient to God's plan. But then in verse 9, he says, Therefore, because, because Christ went through all of that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declared that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And friends, when we catch a glimpse of God in the midst of our own suffering and our own despair, we see a God who understands us, who is capable of helping us. In our own despair, we can see the cross. And from the cross, we can see hope. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you that even in the midst of difficult dark, despairing times, you are there with us. You, are, you know what it's like to suffer. You know what it's like to hurt. You know what it's like to despair and to feel forsaken. And so, Lord, you get it. You understand it. 
And so, Lord, for everybody that's here this morning that's in that dark situation, that dark place where it's Friday in their life and they just, they're surrounded and they don't see a way out, Lord, would you give them the eyes to see the cross? And from the cross, would you let them see your hope? And, Lord, for those that maybe aren't walking through that valley of the shadow of death right now, would you give them, Lord, the eyes to see those that are, the courage to reach out and to simply tell somebody, I'm praying for you. I'd love to do something for you, but I can't. All I know what to do right now is to pray. And God, when we have the courage to do that, would you show yourself, would you reveal yourself in the midst of brokenness and suffering and despair? We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. This morning we come to our song of decision, our time of decision, where we invite you to come forward. And, and if you've got a decision to make to receive the gift of Christ, the peace that passes understanding, we'd invite you to come forward as we sing the song. Uh, if that's not the decision you have to make, we're going to sing this song as we prepare our hearts and minds to come to the table to remember that sacrifice. So let's use this time and dedicate it to God. Please be standing. Thank you.